It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast for Power Rankings. Every Monday, we take a look back at the week that was, and we rank all 30 teams. It is a running power ranking, so where you were last week will have some determination as to where you will be this upcoming week. I'm your host, Jim O'Reilly, doing it solo this time. Want to thank you guys for listening. Want to remind you to turn on those automatic downloads so you get the content as soon as it is posted to the feed. And a reminder, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast, be it on the Odyssey platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, out of some guy's random trunk, uh, off around the corner, wherever you get your podcasts. You will find the Barreled Up podcast. All right, let's get into it. We are going to go again, 30 through 1. And we start with the number 30 team, the Oakland Athletics. It was a 1 and 5 week for the A's. Really, the only thing to say about this team is Zach Geloff. Looks like he might be something special. 10 for 24 this week. His slash line on the year is now up to 308, 376, and 617 with 11 doubles and 8 home runs. I am really excited about this prospect. I wish he could have been on a a team that maybe had a few more eyeballs right now, but for athletics fans, that's cool. But here's even the problem with that. Athletics fans in Oakland aren't even going to be able to enjoy this player's career. So like, I don't even know what Oakland fans are thinking. They're excited right now, maybe, but he's not going to grow in Oakland. He's going to grow in Las Vegas as, as a, I don't know, a Las Vegas ace or whatever they call the team. So uh, Zach Geloff, though, has been really good over the last week. And really, since he's been called up, he's a really good baseball player. Oakland is in at number 30. In at number 29, the Kansas City Royals. The Royals go 2-5 and five over the week, dropping a set against the Mariners and against the Cubs. Really, the only good news here, Bobby Wood Jr. is really coming around. Uh, after an uh, okay start to the season, really not a set-the-world-on-fire kind of player uh, to start the year. It's been really good over the last month, month and a half for him. Over the last 30 games, He's slashing 344, 378, and 609. He's been really good, again, over the last four, five, six weeks. And along with him, MJ Melendez is a player that I'm watching right now after a poor first half to the season. He's really been good over the last couple of weeks, and he's a guy I'm watching As one of those players that sort of under the radar on a losing team with nobody really paying attention outside of the fan base starts to pick it up. And Melendez might be doing that, which could springboard him to a really nice 2024 season. So I like what I'm seeing with Melendez. But ultimately, the Royals come in at number 29. They are 40 and 86. Next up, it's the Chicago White Sox. They're dropping back a spot. Here's our first team that moves going from 27 to 28. They split with the Cubs, and they lost two out of three to the Rockies. We saw two more home runs from Luis Robert this week. He's now got 33 on the season, along with 30 doubles. An 888 
OPS. Luis Robert has been really good. He's the only White Sox over 800 OPS. So he's the only one doing anything constructive there in that lineup. This is his first healthy season. We saw the pandemic shortened season. Then he had a couple of years where he just could not get right in 21 and 22. Couldn't stay healthy. We're seeing it this year. He's killing it. Again, 33 home runs. His career high in home runs had been 13. So he obliterated that. And he's showing that skill that everybody was excited about when he first came up. White Sox are in at 28. Number 27, it's the Rockies. The Rockies move up a spot. The Rockies dropped two out of three to the Diamondbacks, but then took two out of three against the White Sox. Over the last week, we saw Charlie Blackman, Nolan Jones, Montero, Rogers, Tovar, McMahon. They all hit to the point where this team scored a ton of runs, 48. And that was the second most in the bigs over the last seven days. Now, uh, half of that came over two games against the White Sox. Uh, They scored 14 on Friday. They scored 11 on Saturday. And even on Sunday, they lost. They put up five. So half of those runs came over two games. But the Rockies broke out the bats this week. Still only got them a 3-3 and week overall. But hey, that's an improvement. When you're 48 and 76, if you can go 3-3, and you're... It's it's one of your better weeks. You're 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 making a step uh, in the right direction at least. So the Rockies they're in at 27. In at 26, the Cardinals they are going from 25 to 26. Got two out of three from Oakland, but dropped three out of four to the Mets. We saw Dak Hudson this week two solid starts against Oakland and against the Mets. He's now five and zero. He returned in July. Was pretty much. Pitching out of the bullpen in July, moved to the rotation in August, and things have been good. He was the only starter to get a win over the last week. Michaelis, Libertori, Thompson, Wayno, all winless in their starts this past week. So we'll see what Dag Hudson can do moving forward. The Pirates are next. Pirates dropped from 22 to 25 after a 2-4 and four week against the Mets and the Twins. They did not win either of those series. They dropped two out of three, uh, each of those. Keller pitched well against the Twins on Saturday, pitched to a win, 12 strikeouts for him. He's now 10-8 and eight on the year. That ERA is a little elevated at 4-2-2, but 173 strikeouts is fifth most in Major League Baseball. Something, again, for the Pirates to hopefully build around. I feel like this team is putting together the pieces for their lineup, right? They've called up a lot of guys this year with Gonzalez and Rodriguez and Davis. So you build, you've got the building block set for your offense for the lineup. Get Mitch Keller some help this offseason, please. Can we do that? And at number 24, moving up two spots, it's the suddenly, maybe, maybe not, Red Hot Mets. A five and two week for the New York Mets. I quite frankly, off memory, don't know if we have had a five and two week for the New York Mets this season. They did one. They they pulled it off this past week. They got two out of three from the Pirates. They got three out of four at St. Louis. They scored 46 runs. That was the fourth most in baseball. Lindor, Nimmo. He was hot. Nimmo, three home runs this week. So he's now posted a career high with 18. 
You had four home runs from Pete Alonso, Stewart stepping up with four home runs. So you're telling me this Mets team is now going to rebound with guys like Stewart and Vogelback leading the way. Okay. Listen, Kodai Senga's been good. Kodai Senga won his third straight start this week. Those starts up against the Cubs, the Braves, and the Cardinals. He's now 10 and 6 with a 319 ERA. Kodai Senga is a great pitcher to build your rotation around. We'll see what they can do in the offseason. They've already said they're not going to be aggressive spenders and, and spend like crazy in the offseason. Doesn't mean they can't maybe find one addition to go there with Senga because Senga has been a nice, a nice player, and, and you would hate to waste two Kodai Senga seasons. I can see the Mets making a sneaky move uh, for a starting pitcher in the upcoming offseason, but they're pulling it together. They're pulling it together against the, the right teams, pulling it together against the Pirates and the Cardinals, but still wins nonetheless. They move up two spots. The Tigers are next. They move up one spot after a four and two week. They got three out of four at Cleveland. The Tigers are showing life. It's just they're doing it too late. 57 and 67 on the season now. Torkelson with four home runs. He's now got a career high of 22. Kerry Carpenter with three home runs this week. He's now up to a career high of 18. So some of these bats are coming around. Even Javi Baez hit a home run over the weekend. Some good starting pitching. Fado, Manning, Erod, Scooble, Wentz. Either scoreless outings or one run outings from that group. This is the time. There are teams, there are players that you should be watching for to see what they do now. How do they close the season? And can it give you any indication on what they'll do next year? I'm sure the front offices are keeping an eye on it. They have to be, obviously, right? That's a no-brainer. Could maybe motivate them to make a move. I mean, we saw the Cubs this past offseason are Exhibit A. The Cubs had a winning record the last two months of the season in 2022. And they went out. The ownership said, rebuild's over. Let's go. Spend the money you need to spend. They were rumored to be going after two of the highly prized shortstops. They ended up getting Dansby Swanson. They also brought in Cody Bellinger. You could see maybe the Detroit Tigers are a team. If they close strong, maybe the front office looks at this and says, man, Torkelson really took a step. Green's looking good. Carpenter's looking good. Manning's looking good. Erod, Scooble, we can maybe convince Erod to re-up with us. We know he's going to opt out, but maybe we can get a deal done. The Tigers are going to be interesting. They move up a spot, 24 to 23. Let's get to another team moving up. It's the Washington Nationals going from 23 to 22 after a four and two week. They got two out of three from Boston. They got two out of three from Philadelphia. Now, what's interesting with Washington is this was still supposed to be part of the rebuild. And they're obviously doing better. So their rebuild is maybe a year ahead of schedule. So they're another team like Detroit. How do they finish? Because if they can continue to do this type of level stuff, you could see the Nats front office. You could see Rizzo get out there and make some moves in the offseason. Uh, look, if Stone Garrett is going to be a dude like he's been recently this past week, nine for 20 with four doubles and two home runs, his OPS is up to 821. And oh, by the way, Stone Garrett's career OPS, I guarantee you, you don't know it. It's 828 over 303 major league at bats. We're starting to get to a point where we're 
listen, it's still a short sample size, but it's not like it's 100 at-bats. That's 303 at-bats is about half a season's worth of at-bats, and he's got an 828 OPS over that period. They may have something with him. I love to see Stone Garrett get a ton of run the rest of the way. Lane Thomas also with a good week. So this Washington Nationals team is progressing. Taking two out of three from Boston, two out of three from Philly. They move up a spot in the power rankings. Staying at the number 21 spot, it's the Cleveland Guardians. The Nats are closing in on the Guardians. I'll just put it that way. Sometimes there's space between these numbers. That space could be a mile wide or they could be right up on top of one another. The Washington Nationals, they may have only moved up one spot in the power rankings, but they have really closed the gap between them and Cleveland. That was one of the areas where we had a major gap between that 22 and 21 spot until now, the Nats closed it. The Guardians are in at 21. They are 59 and 66. They went two and four this week, splitting a two game set at Cincy and then dropping three out of four to the Tigers. We got two good starts out of Logan Allen this week, and one of those starts he lost because Cleveland just cannot score enough runs. He's now 6-6 with a 3-3-1 ERA. You've seen some good stuff from Bybee. You've seen some good stuff from, from a ton of new pitchers. Curry, they're just rolling them out there. But they're not scoring enough runs to support them. And Logan Allen this week, again, two good starts, but a 1-1 one one mark to show for it. So Cleveland's got some work to do this offseason. This season's done. They're in at 21. And again, Washington, Detroit, the Mets, they're closing on you, Cleveland. I, I, Cleveland could be, if things don't go their way, looking at that number 23, number 24 spot next week. In at number 20, the San Diego Padres. Padres went 3-4 and four this week. The embarrassing element was over the weekend against the Diamondbacks where they dropped 3 out of 4. In a crucial week for San Diego, Manny Machado got 3 hits. Cronenworth, 5 Kim, five. Bogarts, four. Soto, three. And I know sometimes Soto's game is to draw walks. Yeah, he drew walks, but he didn't. I don't, I, to memory, I don't believe Juan Soto drove in a run this week. So this San Diego team, you get a good outing from you, Darvish, it doesn't matter. You are done, San Diego. That's it. San Diego is seven games below 500 after this. It is over in San Diego. And Interestingly enough, Fernando Tatis Jr., he probably is the best hitter, the hottest hitter on the club right now. Eight for 25, which you know isn't, isn't scorching earth, but it is the best they've got. One home run. Fernando Tatis Jr. has a 792 OPS this year and 20 home runs, over 436 at-bats. He had been a 900 or higher OPS player in the three previous seasons. And we're not seeing that. And we're not seeing the power. And guys, it's August 21st. There's like five weeks, five and a half weeks or so, give or take, days of games remaining. So what do you think Tatis is going to get to? 25 home runs? 500 at-bats, 25 home runs, and an OPS under 800 would be a disappointment. And is that a microcosm? Is that something else? Something that doesn't smell right? Is that, and you all know what I'm talking about, or is that the season? Is that more of the underperformance? Because Bogarts is underperforming as well. This has been a disappointing season for San Diego. And after this Arizona series, it's over. Seven games below 500 with how competitive it is. 
it's over. Next up at the number 19 spot, again, another team that it is over for the New York Yankees. They are in, they were 18 last week. They're 19 last week. I'm sure many of you listening are wondering why they haven't dropped further than the number 19 spot. And that's just because, I mean, look, who who are we just talking about? We're talking about the Padres and how they're done. We're talking about the Guardians and how the Guardians are on the verge of going from 21 to 24 if things don't go well next week. That's the company the Yankees are in. So, yes, the Yankees are 19th, but it's much worse than the number that they are ranked at right now. They are on an eight-game losing streak. They lost everything this week. They lost three to Atlanta. They lost three to Boston. It's bad. Volpe's the only guy hitting. The team scored 12 runs. The Yankees scored 12 runs. That was the fewest in baseball. They went 36 for 186. That was the worst in baseball. Rortvet, Bowers, McKinney, Stanton, Bader. Between that entire group of players that I just announced, that's one, two, three, four, five guys. There were four hits. It's bad. It's bad for the Yankees right now. Yankee fans, you know it sucks. Yankee haters, you couldn't be happier. And oh, by the way, the team ERA was 6-3-5. That was the fourth worst Schmidt, Cole, Brito, Severino, all bad starts. It's over for the Yankees. It's over. The Angels are next in at the number 18 spot. We're going through the group of play of teams here that it's over for. Uh, the, I think it's over for the Angels as well. With how competitive and, and, and how much they're going to have to turn it on the rest of the way. I can't. The Angels are three games below 500. I can't see it. The Angels dropped two out of three to the Rangers. They dropped two out of three to Tampa. There was a, a signature moment in this Tampa series where the Angels were up 5-1 to one after an Otani Grand Slam. And then they lost that game. They were outscored 8-1 to one the rest of the way after an Otani Grand Slam. They got the win in Game 2. Drury had a big game. Gritchick robbed a home run. They won. They, the pen held. They won uh, by one. And then they were destroyed. In the third game of the series, 18 to 4. It's it's over. This excruciating stretch, 19 game stretch, going up against some of the toughest teams in baseball, the Rangers, the Astros, the Rays, the Braves. They got roughed up. They got roughed up. And this is one of those stretches where it was six and thirteen. They needed to go thirteen and six. 6-13 and 13 over the 19 games, 19 games stretch. And, and again, now they're three games below 500. The schedule gets a little bit easier now. But even if they finish 10 games above 500 the rest of the way, it's still probably not enough to make the playoffs. Angels at 61-64 on August 21st. I'm burying them. Now every team moving forward. We got 17 more teams to go. Has a shot to make the playoffs. Everybody that we just talked about, they're done. Angels, Yankees, Padres, it's over. Moving forward, moving to the teams that actually have a chance. The Marlins in at 17. A bad week. They go from 14 to 17. After a good week the week before, it looked like they were getting it right. Now, tough schedule for Miami. Houston and LA. Two Top five teams. They got a two and four mark 
out of those six games. Burger's hot. Bell's hot. Solaire with, is crushing the ball. You know who's not hot? Luis arrives right now. Four for 24. His batting average is down to 357. So any fun that we were going to have thinking, can Luis Arise flirt with 400? That, unfortunately, is over. If the Marlins have another week like this, this upcoming week, we may start looking at their playoff odds being over. But they're not dead yet. Still above 500 by three games, but it's getting to a point where it's crucial. Yuri Perez bounced back on Saturday against the Dodgers. You like that? Six innings, two hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts. That was his first good start since July 6th. He'd been out for a month. He returned on the 7th of August against the Reds. That was not good. It was not good against the Yankees on the 13th. So finally, a good start from Yuri Perez that maybe he can build on. Marlins in at 17, dropping three spots. Another team dropping, going in the wrong direction is the Giants. Going from 13 to 16. Giants 65 and 59 on the season. Now they dropped two out of three to the Rays and they dropped two out of three in Atlanta. They still, at that 65 and 59 mark, have the second wildcard spot in their possession. But the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the team we just talked about, Miami, they are close right behind them. So they cannot go out there and have another two and four week. If they do, they could be fine. They could find themselves completely out of a wild card spot. Every team we just talked about is within a game. There's four teams within a game of them. That's how tight it is at the back of the wild card hunt in the National League. Conforto with a good week. He needs more of those. Seven for 18, a 750 OPS on the season. He needs to just stack seven for 18 weeks, one on top of one another if he wants to get paid this offseason. Next up, it's the Diamondbacks. We have a team moving in the right direction, going from 17 to 15. They are now 64 and 61. They got two out of three at Colorado and three out of four at San Diego. And that's huge. After that awful, awful first couple of weeks out of the All-Star break, they've won seven of their last 10. They needed that. Walker's crushing the ball. 10 for 26, four home runs. Corbin Carroll's coming back around. Tommy Pham has been a great addition to that team. Alec Thomas, who has struggled this year. A 706 season OPS. And that is after an 8 for 20 week. He may be turning it around. Gabriel Moreno with a nice week. 6 for 20 with two home runs. 300, 364, and 575 slash line with three home runs over his last 15 games. The Diamondbacks have taken it slow with Moreno this year, but he looks like he might be stepping up at the right time for Arizona. Gallon got his 13th win. He looked good at San Diego on Thursday. Six and a third, three hits, one walk, one run allowed. Uh, Brandon Fott, seven innings, one hit, no run. Can we get Brandon Fott a win, please? Still winless, even after a seven-inning, one-hit, no-run performance at San Diego. He can't get a win. You need more like that from Fott because they need someone to step up. You got Gallon. You can count on Gallon. You can kind of count on Merrill Kelly. They need a third guy. Maybe that's Brandon Fott. In at number 14, falling two spots from 12 to 14, it's the Cincinnati Reds. After they split with Cleveland, they dropped two out of three against the Blue Jays. CES was the best hitter on the club over the last week, and that's not going to do it. He's really the only one hitting. Six for 19 for Christian Encarnacion Strand, and they need more from that. You had a nice bounce back from Abbott. 
But Hunter Green returned and got roughed up by the Blue Jays. So this was not a good week for the Reds. They go from 12 to 14. And another week like this, they'll go from 14 to 17. They did call up Noel V. Marte. He's another one of the really talented young players in that farm system that's getting their shot. So maybe they're counting on him to be a boost. I, I, I don't know. They're looking for a boost somewhere because after that hot stretch, they've sort of cooled off a little bit. They're in at 14. In at number 13, moving up three spots, it's the Boston Red Sox. Now, they're moving up three spots. It's a little bit of circumstance that has led to this being the case. The Reds struggling helps them move up a little bit. We have a team, the Giants struggling helps them move up. They are 66-58 and 58 now. They dropped two out of three at the Nats, but then they swept the Yankees in the Bronx. The Red Sox, by the way, are now 8-1. and one against the Yankees this season. They have a very, very, very tough schedule coming up, though. We're going to find out if this Red Sox team is what their record says they are, which is a potential playoff team. Four games at Houston to start this week, three at the Dodgers, and then three more against Houston next week, the following week. This is a rough stretch for the Boston Red Sox. Can they carry the momentum of this Yankees sweep it's not going to be easy. You know, Houston's going to be pissed off after that Mariners series. We'll see what they can do. You got Devers with a good week, 10 for 23 with three home runs. Pablo Reyes, 9 for 22. But they're really the only ones really locked in. You're getting timely hitting here and there from other guys, but consistently over the last week, guys that are locked in, they're really the only two. They're going to need more of that. Brian Bello and Cutter Crawford with good stuff. Would you believe Brian Bello has... Pitched the most innings on this team at 119. Nine and seven with a 370 ERA. Brian Bayo, 119 innings, leads the team. I feel like that just spells disaster at some point, but good for him for stepping up. Moving up three spots again, this is sort of uh, thanks to circumstance because I don't think this team really had that great of a week, but it's the Minnesota Twins. They are now 65 and 60. They move from 15 to 12. They split with the Tigers, and they took two out of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dallas Keuchel, another great start. Lopez, six more scoreless innings. Bailey Ober was solid, so it was. it's about the pitching that is carrying this Minnesota Twins team. And again, they move up from 15 to 12. Next up, it's the Phillies. Only dropping one spot from the number 10 spot to the number 11 spot. They split with the Blue Jays. They dropped two out of three at Washington. They lost the Little League Classic game on Sunday on the neutral site. They're just not getting enough consistent hitting. And I think that's something, Philly fans, you have been desperate for all season long. Lorenzen, he got bombed by the Nats after no hitting them. Though prior outing, the Nats obviously did their homework and destroyed him in the second outing. But this Phillies team, 67 and 57, you may be saying, well, how are we still going to keep them in the uh, around the top 10? That's really because of the teams behind them. Do the Twins belong in the top 10? I think I don't think so. The Red Sox, do they? No, I don't think so. The Reds, no. The Diamondbacks, no. So the Phillies are kind of hanging around because that group of teams behind them, there's a little bit of space, but that space is disappearing and another two and three or two and four week 
could find themselves, depending on what Boston does and, and Minnesota and Cincinnati, they could find themselves, they're on the verge of potentially a big, a big fall, but maybe, maybe they can get it right. They've been doing it all year, the up and down, and maybe they'll have an up this week for the Philly fans. Uh, moving into the top 10, here are the Cubs. Going from 11 to 10, 64 and 59, they split with the White Sox. They took two out of three from Kansas City. They benefit from that Phillies week, flip-flopping, switching positions. Bellinger, two more home runs this week, a 9.33 OPS on the season, a 3.24 batting average, a 20 home runs. Look, I think I could have sold you at the beginning of the year on 20 home runs. You never would have bought a 9.33 OPS and a 3.24 batting average. He has been phenomenal. He has increased his value. He is going to get paid in the offseason. Also, some good starts this week from Assad and Steele and Hendricks. So the pitching has been good. The bats are getting it done. Good for the Cubs. Moving up to the number 10 spot. In at number 9, it's the Blue Jays. They actually are dropping from the number 8 to the number 9 spot. They split with the Phillies. And they took two out of three from the Reds. So you might be saying, what's the big deal? How are you going to move them back a spot after a three and two week? Well, we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Bo Bichette, three for 10. He's back. He went deep against the Reds. We had some good pitching from Bassett and Barrios and Kikuchi. Kikuchi is now nine and four with a 3-4-4 ERA. We are entering career year, you say Kikuchi territory. Hyunjin Ryu now, three straight scoreless starts. What a lift-me-up for that rotation for Hyunjin Ryu with the mystery that Alec Manoa had become. For Ryu to be doing this is fantastic. Three straight scoreless starts. Blue Jays still, though, falling back one spot. Also falling back a spot, the Milwaukee Brewers. And those of you listening, paying attention, you know why these two teams have moved back a spot because there's a team that I haven't mentioned yet and you're just waiting for, and that's the team. That's the reason why the Jays and the Brewers both move back despite not putting up a losing week. The Brewers went 3-3. Three and three. The Brewers, 68-57 and 57 now, swept by the Dodgers, but he erased any concerns by sweeping the Rangers in Texas, by the way. Willie Adamas with a, <laughs> I'm going to say it, a rare good week. He went eight for 23. You had some good, The pit, this is where it's at. The pitching is coming around. Hauser, Burns, Peralta especially coming back. Woodruff, not a good one this past week. But the fact that you have Miley and Hauser and Burns and Peralta and Woodruff all back is spelling good things for the Brewers. Yes, they dropped back one spot. It's not their fault. They went three and three. Normally, that would be good enough to at least hold, but it's not. Next up, it's the Astros. No, I'm still not at the team that you're probably expecting me to say. The Astros. The Astros did deserve to drop back a spot this week. They went two and four. They took two out of three from Miami, but then they were swept by the Mariners. Altuve was hot, but not enough was done with the bats outside of him. France looked good, but not enough was done outside of the pitching from him. Brown got rocked. Valdez, the Mariners got to him. Javier did not look especially good last time out. So this Houston Astros team, was poised at the end of last power rankings to maybe move up with the series against Miami and a series against Seattle, but they go backwards with a two and four week. 
Now it's the team that you've been expecting me to get to. The reason why the Astros dropped back, the reason why the Brewers and the Blue Jays each fell back one spot is because the Seattle Mariners have leapfrogged them all, going from 9 to 6, and they earned it. 69 and 55 now on the season, took 3 out of 4 in Kansas City, and then all 3 in Houston. Bryce Miller shut them down on Friday. Dylan Moore stepped up with a pair of home runs, and the team got to Framber Valdez on Saturday, and then they jumped Hunter Brown on Sunday and survived the Saucedo third. They got the win 7-2-6. All of this while Julio Rodriguez was doing something that we've never seen before in the history of baseball. We'll get to that in a minute. The team will hold the tiebreaker over the Astros if it is needed. That's a huge card to hold. They are a half game behind Houston in the division. They are a half game in front of the Jays for the final wild card spot. This team almost sold pieces at the deadline. I mean, they we know they traded Seawall, but the rumors of Teoscar Hernandez and Ty France. Imagine if they had actually traded the pieces away. Because since then, they've been on fire. One of the best teams in baseball. They have a six-game winning streak at the moment. Prior to that, they had an eight-game winning streak. Those two winning streaks bookending a little three-game, uh, we'll call it a bender, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday against the Orioles and then KC on Monday. But outside of that, they have been fantastic. And fantastic is almost not even a good enough word to describe Julio Rodriguez and what he's been doing. Heading into Sunday, 17 for 22, which nobody had ever done in Major League Baseball. Then he went one for five on Sunday. Didn't matter. Again, Seattle still won that game, still came up, drove in a couple runs, came up big. Teoscar Hernandez with a good week. Dylan Moore with a good week. Now, here's the thing. This Seattle team still struck out more than anybody over the last week. 79 strikeouts, which was the most by a lot. Second place was 63 strikeouts. They struck out 79 times. So the only thing I worry about is another, these things, maybe it's just evening out from earlier in the season and all those strikeouts didn't matter, or maybe it's going to even out again and they're going to regress. I don't know. They have earned the spot they're in right now. But the thing that I I would love to see this team is on fire like this, and one of the reasons why is because the strikeouts are down. But they're not. The strikeouts are still sky high. That's the only thing I'd be worried about. Outside of that, things are great. And you've got a schedule that plays out in their favor as well. The Mariners have three at the White Sox, then three against the Royals, then three against the Athletics, and three in New York against the Mets. So that's 12 games. Remember what I said at the beginning of this little Mariners portion of the program? They were a half game in front of the Blue Jays for the final wildcard spot. They have 12 very favorable games. They are on a stretch where they, quite frankly, should, over those next 12 games, go 10-2. and And if that's the case, they are going to leave the Blue Jays behind. Blue Jays fans, there is something to worry about here. If the Mariners leave you behind, the hope is this. The Mariners have a brutal close to their schedule. The last 10 games for the Seattle Mariners are against the Astros and the Rangers. 
that could be extremely difficult to navigate, especially if you're getting into positions for the playoffs, if you're making a run for division and Houston and Texas, they're all jumbled up there trying to win games. If everyone's still got a lot to play for, those last 10 games could be a nightmare for Seattle. That's your only hope if you're the Blue Jays. If Seattle does pull out, go 10-2 and two over the next 12 games, and you find yourself five games behind that final wildcard spot, just hang in there and hope that Seattle struggles those last 10 games to close the season. But good job by Seattle, 69-55, and 6-1 on the week. Seattle's on fire. One of the best teams in baseball right now. Hottest teams for sure. Number five, the Rangers hold on. They were five last week. They'll stay number five this week. They're 72 and 52. They took two out of three from the Angels. They were swept by the Brewers. But there was, quite frankly, after Houston's situation going two and four, a little bit of a gap created between the five and six spot. So the Rangers are comfortable to go two and four and hold the number five spot this week. But that isn't going to work next week. But the Rangers are here now, 72 and 52. Seeger's hot, seven for 12 or seven for 22 over the last week with three home runs. Scherzer, since joining the Rangers, three and one with a 2.66 ERA. Jordan Montgomery, since joining the Rangers, two and one with a 2.50 ERA. Both of them with good starts this week. Those two additions loom large moving forward. The Rays are in at number four, 75 and 51. They went four and two this week against San Francisco and against the Angels. They got Andrew Kittredge back, not to save. He hadn't pitched since June 7th of 2022. So you get him back, another piece for that bullpen. You need that because you're. it feels like you're losing pieces left and right. Good hitting this week from Harold Ramirez, Diaz, Paredes, Randy, Lau, Low, everybody seemed to be hitting well. Curtis Mead with his best stretch as a pro. Three-hit day on Monday. Also hit well over the weekend against the Angels. But he's not playing every day. And that's just the deal for Curtis Mead at this point. This team, that group of guys and the rest, scored the most runs in baseball over the last week with 49. So good job by Tampa's offense. Glass now struggled uh, against the Angels, but was solid against San Francisco. This team with with McClanahan down now, done for the year. It's Glass now, Eflin, and Savali. And is that enough? We'll find out. In at number three, it's the Orioles. The Orioles dropped two out of three to the Padres, which looks really bad right now. Uh, but then swept the Oakland Athletics, so it's all good. Four and two altogether on the week, 77 and 47 on the season. Gunnar Henderson is smoking. 12 for 26 on the week with two home runs. Mountcastle, this is the third power rankings in a row that we have mentioned. Ryan Mountcastle and how good he's been hitting. O'Hearn hitting well, six out of 14. Ryan O'Hearn, if I were to give you an over-under 800 OPS on Ryan O'Hearn, what would you say? You you would be inclined to say under, but because I'm bringing it up, you would think over, but you may think barely over. Well, it's a little more than barely over. He's at 843 as a Baltimore Oriole, picked up off the scrap heap. Good job, Ryan O'Hearn. Good pitching from Bradish, Cole Irvin, and Grayson Rodriguez. Not so good from Flaherty and Gibson, and that's going to be the deal. Brought up on Sunday night in the live stream, this Orioles pitching. There were a lot of people in the live stream that 
liked Bradish. I say this about Bradish, Irvin, and Rodriguez, who pitched well this, this, this week. As this team moves forward and tries to make a run. Yeah, you're going to get good starts from those three. You're going to get good starts from Gibson. You're going to get good starts from Flaherty. But you're also going to get... I mean, look at what Flaherty's done since becoming an Oriole. He's 1-2 with a 7-0-7 ERA. You're going to get that too. The problem with this Orioles rotation, obviously there's an innings situation where a lot of these guys are going to be reaching career highs. And how do they progress as they reach new highs with their pitch counts? But on top of that, I do not feel that this Orioles team has a starter that I trust 10 out of 10 times. I trust Bradish, 6 out of 10. I trust Cole Irvin, 2 out of 10. Grayson Rodriguez, 5 out of 10. Flaherty, 2 out of 10. Gibson, 4 out of 10. We don't have any guys that I trust 10 out of 10 starts. And I think that's going to do them in. They do not have that guy. They should have at least gotten one of those guys because you could ride that guy in the postseason, but they do not have that. We see all the players that were traded. What if Baltimore had done what Texas did? What if this Orioles team had Scherzer and Montgomery? Scherzer, I trust 9 out of 10. Montgomery's pitching like a guy you can trust 10 out of 10. So if you had those guys, imagine. But, don't want to speak too bad of the Orioles. They are in at number three, 77 and 47. They're certainly going to be a threat if the pitching can hold. Next up, at number two, it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers sweeping the Brewers, taking two out of three from Miami. They lose Gonsolin for the year. He's on the IL. They did sign Colton Wong, just another depth piece. But hey, you never know. Maybe that'll work out. Interesting week for the Dodgers again. Five and one week, but the Bats... Didn't do a whole lot, but they pitched, and they pitched really well. A 2-6-7 team ERA, that was third best. Kershaw, Lynn, Miller, Urias, Pepio, all pitching well, really covering the fact that, for the most part, over the last week, Freeman and Muncy and JD and Kike and Outman and Peralta, Rosario, really haven't been hitting that hot. Betts is on fire. Betts killed it. 11 for 22, three home runs. Mookie Betts was great. But everyone else was kind of on the cooler side of things. And some were just downright cold. But the pitching stepped up. And you got to love that. You got Kershaw back. You got Lynn stepping up. Maybe turns out to be the best pitcher added at the deadline. Miller. Pepio. You love what you're seeing from the young guys. Arias starting to log some consecutive good outings. Maybe things are turning around as the Dodgers are trying to catch the Braves for that number one spot in the National League. And that takes us to the number one team, and that's the Atlanta Braves. 80-43, and 43, four games better than the Dodgers, sweeping the Yankees, taking two out of three from the Giants, looking good in every facet. Rosario killing the ball. Ozuna killing the ball. That's what's big. When you got a team that you can count on, the B guys and the C guys to carry you, Rosario playing like an A, Azuna playing like an A, but those are B guys. And you may argue that Azuna, I mean, listen, Azuna's been playing like a B guy for most of the season, but what do you expect Azuna to be? You kind of expect Azuna to be a C guy, but he's been playing like a B guy and he stepped up to an A guy this week because you need those guys when Ronald, when Ozzy, when Murphy, when Riley, when those guys are not, 
when you don't have Olsen going 11 for 21 and you don't have Ozzy going 9 for 19, do you have other guys that can step up into those roles? And they do. And they saw that this week with Rosario and Azuna. Ronald did hit a couple more home runs this week. He's having an amazing season. He's my NL MVP. Ronald Acuna, he was my NL MVP coming into the season. That was my prediction, and I obviously am not coming off that anytime soon. Good pitching this week, too. Elder, Morton, Strider, all scoreless outings. And Elder and Strider, one-hit outings. As a collective group, it was the best pitching we saw over the last week. A two ERA over the last seven days. Braves are in at number one, 80 and 43. That is the power rankings for August 21st. Again, a sort of look back at the week that was and keeping up with our weekly power rankings 30 through 1. I do appreciate you guys coming in and listening. Stay close to the podcast. We have some more content, some more uh, interviews, more guests lined up for this week. I hope you guys caught the podcast Last week with Foolish Baseball and Stark Raving Sports. I hope you were able to check that out. If you haven't, make sure you go and find that. That should be one of our most recent, if not the most recent, upload on the feed. And stay tuned because we got more coming this week. Again, I do appreciate you guys coming in. Make sure you have the automatic downloads, automatic downloads turned on. It's good to say the word download correctly when talking about this stuff. Make sure you have that turned on so you get the content as soon as it is posted to the feed. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming in. Stay tuned. More content coming. This has been the Barreled Up Podcast. (laughs) 